Welcome to Prima's podcast. My name is Shonda Ragland. I manage the education and training programs at the Public Risk Management Association. Today, Bill Sims Jr. will discuss why zero injuries is not your goal. Bill Sims Jr. is president of the Bill Sims Company Incorporated. For more than 40 years, the Bill Sims Company has created positive reinforcement systems that have helped large and small firms to inspire better performance from employees and increase bottom line profits. He is a world-renowned keynote speaker and also conducts leadership workshops globally. We will also be joined by Danica Williams, a member of Prima's education and training team. Danica will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us about your experience with the Zero Injury slogan and culture. Danica, I'm so glad to be with you. And I'm, of course, calling in from lovely Columbia, South Carolina, blue skies and sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, you know, it, the Zero Injuries uh, goes back, I, my goodness, I believe it was 1981, and I was in Danville, Virginia at the Dan River Textile Company. And um, walking through those old textile mills that were ancient, hundreds of years old, with the safety guy, Tom, and as I looked on the wall, everywhere I looked, there were posters and signs that said, zero injuries, our goal. Target zero injuries is our goal. And so, it, you know, from that day forward, just about every place I went had something about how many days since our last lost time injury and how many days since our last recordable and that zero injuries was the goal. So, you know, there's there's been a big push for companies to get to zero injuries, and they've they've really held that up as the ideal, you know, the gold standard. If you can get to zero injuries, you're there. It's uh, you know, it's almost like the holy grail, right? Trying to trying to capture that one, but it's it's proven elusive for many companies to get to. So why do so many public entities and companies believe that zero injuries is the goal? Well, I I think you know it's it's kind of because it just gets talked about for the last thirty forty years so much that it that it has it is kind of become the goal. You've had a couple of really high profile consultants that have you know that have touted that zero injuries is the the goal that we need to shoot for and strive for, and a lot of people really believe it. And I think initially where they were coming from 40 years ago, it probably made sense. You know, if you go back and you think about 19, the 1970s, OSHA didn't exist back then. We were killing textile workers with brown lung in the textile plants. We were killing coal miners with black lung from the coal dust in the coal mines. So, you know, on-the-job workplace safety was in pretty bad shape. Had a lot of people getting hurt, a lot of people getting killed. You know, that is why OSHA came into existence is to kind of turn that around. And the good news is that, you know, we have done that. Uh, today, you're 10 times, some statistics say you're 10 times more likely to be killed driving in your car on the way home than you are at work. But, you know, I think you'd have to take a look at 40 years ago, Many, many companies thought that, you know what, if you want good productivity, you're going to hurt some people. It's just uh, the nature of the animal. You know, you're going to have some injuries. 
because you've got to get production. And, uh, and so 40 years ago, the idea that zero injuries was the goal got people's attention. It started a conversation. So I, I, I do have to give it credit for that. But over time, I began to wonder and think maybe, maybe it wasn't the right goal for leaders to strive for. And what made you begin to think that maybe this wasn't the right goal for leaders? Well, you know, I think a couple of, of high-profile cases started me thinking in this direction. In particular, one, uh, you know, an, an oil rig. Uh, one morning on the Gila pad, the president of the company drops in in his helicopter, steps off, and he says to the 100 or so workers on that oil rig, you guys have been seven years without an injury. You're the, you know, the, the safest rig we've got. Here's your brand new jacket. Here's a barbecue dinner and here's a hundred dollar gift card. And that night, 11 men would die. A $108 billion nightmare would begin for BP known as the horizon disaster. So, you know, you think about it for seven years. They were at zero injuries, and then tragedy struck. So, you know, I guess the the question we'd have to ask is, for those seven years, did they truly have the presence of safety on that rig, or were they more likely operating on the absence of accidents? And I think that's a useful question for anybody, you know, who cares about safety to ask about your company is, do you, are you operating on the presence of safety or the absence of accidents? I remember one time, uh, there was a very short presentation that I, that I was making. It was a web meeting with, uh, a CEO and his team of, of leaders. And, um, gentleman told me, he says, we really don't, you know, we really don't need to waste time on safety. We've got it figured out. Our, uh, Recordable incidents rate was 4.3 last year, and we're at 3.9 this year. So we're doing better. We need to get back to production. And I said, sir, I said, with all due respect, can you tell me why you're better? And Danica, you could hear crickets chirping. He had no clue why they were better. I said, sir, if you can't tell me why you're a 3.9 this year instead of a 4.3, then you won't be able to tell me next year when you're a 5.8 and you don't have the presence of safety, what you're simply seeing are statistical variations in your safety data, which are just normal fluctuations. And a lot of companies do that. Oh, we hit zero injuries. Let's have a pizza party. Give them T-shirts. Woohoo! It's a good year for safety. And then, oh, man, we're doing terrible in safety. Oh, it's awful. And, and really, they're, they're, they're chasing lagging indicators. And that, that is the fundamental problem with, with the zero injuries goal is that it sets up, it sets the environment up for unsafe behaviors. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. I would like to take a moment and invite you to attend our last 2016 Prima Enterprise Risk Management ERM training session. This training will take place November 29th and 30th in Phoenix, Arizona. Here are some words from Prima's ERM faculty member, Robin Flint, regarding why risk management professionals should attend Prima's ERM training. An enterprise-wide approach to risk management enables a public entity to consider the potential impact of all types of risk on all of its entities' processes, 
activities, stakeholders, products, or services. Second, ERM enables a public entity's risk management initiatives to deliver outputs, including compliance with applicable governance requirements, assurance to stakeholders regarding the management of risk, and overall improved decision making. Third, and what I deem as most important, participants will learn how ISO 31000, or ERM, aligns a public entity's risk management strategy with the organization's goals and objectives. To learn more about Prima's ERM training, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Bill and Danica. Now, Bill, what evidence have you found to support the idea that zero injuries is not the goal? Well, I think to go, you know, to another little case beyond the BP Horizon rig, again, you know, they were seven years with, without a, a single injury and then 11 people die. And, and that's not a put down of BP. There are a lot of passionate safety leaders at BP. I've got plenty of good friends there. It's just, you know, it's what happened on that rig. But I, I'd take us now to SeaWorld. In 2006, the OSHA investigator paid SeaWorld in Orlando a visit and said, look, the whale Shamu has killed two people. He'll kill again. You need to get him out of the show. And senior, and you also need to put in a $3 million handrail, by the way, around that pool. So, you know, SeaWorld senior leadership says, well, we can't do that. And we're not going to do that. He's our star performer. If we take him out of the show, nobody will buy tickets to come into SeaWorld. And we're not going to put a $3 million handrail around the pool. That's crazy. I like to say at this point they were perfectly designed for a fatality. In fact, they had to rehearse for that fatality a thousand times till they got it right and killed Don Brancho, victim number three. So the question is, do your listeners at their companies, do they have people right now who are rehearsing for a fatality or for an injury? Sure. Every company on the planet has employees rehearsing for injuries. They're taking shortcuts, not following safety procedures. They're texting while they drive. You know, everybody has people rehearsing for an injury, right? If you say you don't, some, you're missing the bigger picture. So business is behavior. To change your results, you got to change behavior. And that's why I say the mission for leaders today is to stop the rehearsal for the next injury, right? That's that's the mission. Now, you know, where do you manage safety? And and I, and I like, you know, what I use when I when I present on this, I have a, a a pyramid. Many people have seen a pyramid similar. It's a Heinrich triangle. It's got fatality at the top and it's got, you know, lost workday case under that and then underneath that there's a level that says recordable injuries and then there's near miss, near hit events and then there's at-risk behaviors. That's the way Heinrich built his pyramid in 1931. I've added a layer to Heinrich's pyramid. I've added to the base of it management at-risk behaviors and worker at-risk behaviors, two different layers. So if you think about this pyramid with fatality at the top, where do you want to manage your safety process? Well, SeaWorld says let's manage it at the fatality level. Let's, um, you know, when the third person gets killed, We'll get the whale out of the show for whale counseling, which they did. 
and we'll put the the three million dollar handrail around the pool, which they finally did. Took took the third fatality to do it. Now you can manage at the fatality level, but SeaWorld has learned you need a really good attorneys, and it has cost them greatly in their in their brand strength. Right, the 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 popular sentiment now is turned against having orcas in captivity, and SeaWorld is bowing to that pressure there announcing that they're getting out of the orca business when these orcas pass away. Okay, back to the ranch. You'd agree, gee, we don't want to manage safety at the fatality level. We want to manage at the bottom of that pyramid. We want to be proactive managing and the at-risk behaviors. But where do most organizations get stuck? They're stuck in the middle of the pyramid. They're reactive. They're counting recordable injuries Lost workday cases, working really hard to keep them from becoming, you know, light duty programs, butterfly bandages, no stitches. They're struggling in the middle. They don't have systems, nor do they have time to get at the base of their pyramid and at those at-risk behaviors. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about why I altered Heinrich's pyramid. It really came to me as I watched what went down with BP and SeaWorld because, you know, Worker at-risk behaviors, when a worker engages in an unsafe behavior or practice, an at-risk behavior, most of the time the worker or the co-worker get hurt or killed. Most of the time, one worker gets hurt or killed, maybe a co-worker. So worker behaviors are a big deal. You can't argue that they're not. They are. However, an even bigger deal is management at-risk behaviors because when management engages in an unsafe behavior, you hurt or kill many, many people. It was BP management at-risk behaviors, violations, multiple violations of their own internal process safety management standards. Those management at-risk behaviors are responsible for the deaths of those 11 men. Mary Barra, CEO, first female CEO of General Motors. Love that lady. She's, she's really talented. I felt so bad for her. She gets the job and her first assignment is to have to appear before she's summoned before the United States Congress. She's got to explain why her predecessors for the previous 10 years chose to kill a hundred people so they could save 57 cents per ignition switch on ignition switches. Those are management at-risk behaviors. Pound for pound, when you have management at-risk behaviors, you hurt or kill many, many people. So it's not worker behavior that we need to to change, and it's not management behavior we need to change. It's actually both. we got to have workers and management together, working together, creating that interdependent culture where safety is never second to production or profitability, right? And so, you know, let's talk a little bit about a big management at-risk behavior that managers do it all the time and don't even think about it. They don't even know what they're doing. And it goes back to the beginning, that BP president. He lands on the Gila deck. You boys have been seven years without a single injury. You're the safest rig in, in BP. Here's your $100 gift card. So this goal of chasing zero injuries and rewarding people and incentivizing them for doing it, you know, KPI bonuses, profit sharing, gain sharing, all this stuff, you know, paying people to hide stuff, or that could make people hide injuries. And and another reason is maybe you don't have an incentive system, but you got a punishment system. You know what? You report something around here where it is, you get fired, you get let go, 
you know, I'm afraid to report. And if people are afraid to report injuries, folks, here's what you got. The entire bottom of that pyramid just went invisible. The only thing that's left that you can see is the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water, the fatality, because you can't hide fatalities. And you can't hide lost workday cases, but you can hide recordables and first aid cases. You can hide a lot of stuff. And and so now, if the bottom of the pyramid is invisible because people are hiding stuff, guess what? You can't manage the bottom of an invisible pyramid. All your leading indicators are gone. And that's why OSHA has a new law currently rolling through Congress going to make it illegal to reward or incentivize based on lagging indicators. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes down. Well, that's why, you know, a, as I think about these celebrations for, you know, seven years, zero injuries, I'd say zero injuries is not the goal. And I get in trouble for saying it. A lot of folks get upset with me for saying it. I say, no, wait a minute. Zero injuries was the goal on the Titanic. Didn't work so good, did it? Right? Zero injuries was the goal on the BP rig and it did work for seven years they got zero and that night 11 men would die no the real goal for today going forward for leadership teams is not zero injuries it never has been the real goal is below zero injuries now how can you go below zero injuries right that's that's nuts, Bill. What are you smoking? But no, Danica, I'm, I'm serious. The real goal after today that I'm challenging leaders to search for and strive for is zero at-risk behaviors. We want to pursue perfection, zero unsafe at-risk behaviors from the leaders and the workers in an interdependent Bradley Curve culture. And if we pursue perfection, we're never going to get it. That's the bad news. When you pursue perfection, you never get it, but you will achieve excellence. You'll get zero injuries only by pursuing zero at-risk behavior. So at the end of the day, I believe zero injuries is the start of the journey, not the end, right? And that, you know, kind of, kind of sums up kind of where I'm at on all this. And I guess that leads us maybe to a, you know, an, another question for another day in time, and that is how do you create a culture that can pursue perfection, that can achieve zero at-risk behaviors? I mean, that's like winning the Super Bowl, right? So how do you do that? And that might be, a you know, cr creating a culture of commitment is what I call that. That might be, a, a you know, a topic for down the road to cover. But... um I'd say that's kind of my two cents worth on, on why zero injuries is not the goal, Danica. So, Bill, to close, can you tell our audience more about your book? Sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the title of my book is uh, Green Beans and Ice Cream, The Remarkable Power of Positive Reinforcement. And, you know, when most people first hear the topic, the title of my book, it's Green Beans and Ice Cream, they're like, that is nasty. That doesn't go together. You know, what were you smoking when you named your book, Bill Sims? But I promise by the end of that little book, green beans and ice cream will be your favorite recipe for dealing with your two-year-old, your teenagers, your employees, your boss, and believe it or not, it even works with your spouse, right? So the idea behind the book is we're really, really good in business 
telling our and by the way in our personal lives with our family we're really we're really good telling our employees what they do wrong and telling our kids what they did wrong but we're really really bad telling them what they did right and my mom figured it out one day when i was a kid she said son if you eat your green beans you can have some ice cream right so it's 30 years of my work more than 1000 behavior modification systems at DuPont, Disney, General Motors, lessons learned from the trenches. It's the science of human behavior and positive reinforcement. And how do we get people to perform at their very best? Uh, that's what Green Beans and Ice Cream is all about. And uh, you can get it, of course, at the major outlets. Green, the best place to go is greenbeanbook.com. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Bill and Danica. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.